Zaki Alligator Blood, 300 metres to go. Then Adamo, who's joining in. Back behind them, Young Verna around the turn. Zaki joined by Adamo, who looks destiny in the face. At the 150, Adamo takes the lead from Zaki Alligator Blood. I'm thunderstruck, but it's Adamo clear. I'm thunderstruck late. Adamo holding on. Adamo this time for the big A. What a promote thunderstruck El Bonacon. Then came Zaki. I'll tell you what, it's a pretty good advertisement for racing, especially with Matt Hill nailing the call and the roar at the valley, and they want to get rid of it. Makes no sense to me. Well, I don't know if they want to get rid of the roar, but it was good to have it back, and I reckon that was, am I so shallow that a bit of crowd noise makes a race better, but it felt like the best Cox Plate since Winks 1 and 2? Because mm. let's face it, a second two Cox Plates. Who cares? Fizzes. Confected. Liz Crusoe was pretty good. That was and unreal. And then the last two, no crowds and not... And kind of fizzes as well in general. It makes a difference when the favourite wins and yeah, a backable maybe price. Maybe that's got something to do with it as well. I ran second in both. The <laughs> <laughs> maybe races are just, uh, maybe we're all just talking through our kick. And fair enough. And that right, was, rightfully so. Yeah. But that was a good cox plate, wasn't it? Yeah. In terms of the, it was a cox plate that delivered what the cox plate, sort of, it was what's on the tin. It's what they claim the cox plate is. That's what that was, right? I think it was a memorable cox plate. Yeah, I think so. And then we roll in Monday morning and then the, the sad part. Mm. We have to put a number on it. Yeah. We, we want to be part of this. The Come handicap, on. the ratings nerds want to be involved. We, we love Animo. <laughs> we love Animo. He's a champion. He's this, he's that. He's 125, 6. Yeah, I yeah. know. He's done pretty much there what he'd been doing anyway. We'd learnt, I would say it would be reasonable to say we learnt nothing about him in terms of peak performance. We learnt nothing about how talented he is and what he did was just add some Gloss to the the trophy cabinet, some real gloss. Like you know, he's adding depth, and there's nothing wrong with adding depth. Because as we always say, you know what's better than running 125? Well, three times, running it four times. But that's sort of what what happened there on the weekend. And in fact, running third there, El Bodegon actually achieved something more out of the box in terms of differing from prior rating. Mm. El Bodegon took a bigger bigger leap than Animo did. He had everything go his way, Animo. So he lands in the one-one. They absolutely walk well, in front. I'll dispute that. They yeah. didn't walk, walk. It was on the soft side of an honest tempo. For a cox plate, they walked. Yeah, they were slight. You know, in terms of finishing speed, they were slightly outside the average. Slightly. He got every possible chance, and he's fallen in. Thunderstruck was enormous. So here's one. Can I can I throw one at you? Yeah. So was he the best on the day because of the position that he got into? Is he the best horse because he got into the best position or did he get into the best position because he's the best horse? Oh, he yeah. puts himself there. Yeah. We put a lot of weight on watching – like when people do replays and stuff, we love watching the last 200 metres. Mm. But what about the – what about – you know, he wasn't exactly the quickest away and then boom, powered through. And where's old El Plotagon? Couldn't find that spot. Thunderstruck, well, we'll get to Thunderstruck. <laughs> That's a tactical mishap, isn't it? Yeah. Given where Animo was positioned, and you're right, the ability to put yourself into a race is part of a horse's talent, mm. which he has. He's a very versatile and lovable horse. I think for me personally, I wanted him to absolutely destroy them from where he was, and he didn't. I was disappointed in that fact. So he is much more... He doesn't feel like this, and he won't be sold like this, and maybe he shouldn't be sold like this because he doesn't feel like this, but he's a lot more Ocean Park than so you think. Oh, I mean, so you think kicks his head in. And people won't want to hear that, but he would. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know that people don't want to hear that. So you think was um, he had fans. So does Anima. Much loved, so you think. But Yeah, I think that was my only little my only little takeaway from the race was like, wow, you really had every chance to really put a gap on him. The three, like he had a few speed humps behind him. Everyone had to go around. I thought we were going to get the Rose Hill Guineas. Like he was going to absolutely... <laughs> if Converge was chasing, you would have. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean? I thought a big peak was incoming, unfortunately. Do you know who, was in, he's you know who else was in the Rose Hill Guineas? Profondo. And he did the same thing to him here yeah. that he did in the Rose Hill Guineas. We just put a lot of good horses in between him and Profondo this time. <laughs> I think I just wanted him to be 128, 129 and he just wasn't. Mm, yeah. Ratings, guys. I mean, he's still paid, so who cares? Yeah, he's, still, he's an up-to-scratch winner of a really cool Cox Plate that was great viewing and... They didn't bust themselves up, so we'll see it all again in two weeks' time. That's exciting. Interesting to see if Thunderstruck goes to the mile or if he does rematch Animo again. Interesting, no matter which way they go. Should we go now? We're going to just roll straight into flop of the week. Well, just to confirm, Animo was the highest rated around Animo the globe. was. Time form rating 126 and will be the high, a very quiet weekend elsewhere. Two-year-old races in France and the UK, which I am yet to rate. Uh, but they won't get anywhere near this. August Rodin beat Epictetus in the Futurity. <laughs> Sculpted out a win, as the caller very tritely said. <laughs> the big plus for me with Animo is they are looking to travel next year. you got a horse mm. at the top of his game, heading overseas, the best we have over this distance range. So I think that's exciting for Australian racing fans. Yeah, I think so. And I for mean, James Cummings too. Yeah, Dubai Turf is a great race for him. And he's winning, he's at rating is bang on what, even a little, you know, he's right up to winning a Dubai Turf. The average, 10-year average of the Dubai Turf, uh, I looked it up on my rating, sorry, but they're better than anyone else's anyway, so I'll just keep keep rolling. Uh, 125, and he's 125. Yep, so bang on. And then he'll probably roll on to the Queen Anne at Ascot where things go up a notch there, 128.9. That's if by, well, Baid's gone. Baid's gone. So it might be a thin division. And for every Baid and Frankel that wins the Queen Anne, there's also an accidental agent or Lord Glitters. They won't want you to know that though. No, no, no. They have weak ones too. <laughs> <laughs> and he would be a terrific winning chance. He, the, his ratings are good enough to win some Queen Anne's. Yep. They're good enough to win slightly more than most Dubai Turfs. That's the, that's the slight difference so but the Dubai turf 1800 good ground under the boss's nose James will wear an outstanding hat I would imagine oh cannot wait wow he could go the um the full robes could he that would be something that would be something (laughs) (laughs) he was fantastic though on Saturday I must say the whole thing had a good vibe oh of course you got the best jockey in the world and our most promising and I think oh not our most promising I think it's fair to say he's our best trainer is that do you think that's ridiculous it's Ma or him I mean, a lot of people, I think the vast majority would very quickly and confidently say Chris Waller. Yeah, that's wrong. Okay. <laughs> what, you think he's number one? No, no, I think James Cummings is Australia's best trainer. I think Australia's best trainers might have run first, second, third. Fourth, fifth. I mean, i tell you what, Gay's in there, Annabelle's the up-and-comer. How well is Mwanga? Mwanga is absolutely flying. Jeez, they should have run him in the Caulfield Cup. It's an interesting race, actually. Now that I'm now that I've gone off down the rabbit hole of looking down through the field, there's some horses here that are humming along. But it is you touched on the pace before. I'm not saying it was a slow pace. You would have been disappointed though. Well, you, you, wanted, you wanted more. You wanted. To be, you wanted more. I wanted it to be breakneck, right? Yeah. Whereas it is a sympathetic pace, a bit like the Might and Power was. So those horses can. It's a really nice spot for horses to run well. Yeah. 
So a bit like the might and power, we saw Benno and Nonconformist run really well and then they got into the Caulfield Cup and no good. But that's uh, that's a very cherry-picked example to, to be negative about them. But horses like um, – well, Gold Trip looks slightly – you know, didn't get a real chance. Young Verda looked to run pretty well against faster horses than him. He, another horse, should have been in the Caulfield Cup. Mm. Young Verda. He's won one race, a maiden. He's so good. Should have won a bundle of races. Very Danny O behaviour. Well, he could be cashing in shortly. Well, yeah. This is Those horses are, um, they're going to look very Melbourne Cup-ish. Yep. Gold Trip and Young Verda off this, I would think. Well, previous winners of the Melbourne Cup off the Cox Plate. They ran very similar races. Mm. To these two, yeah, there is a. They are, they've hit the profiler. Mm. They're officially in the. Yeah, uh, the boss came in this morning with the eyebrows raised. Mm. Yeah, and and we knew exactly which horse and why straight away. Yeah, no, they're the. No, he does, they, they're box ticking, but they they're are. they're offbeat boxes that they're ticking. They're yeah. our boxes. It's perfect. <laughs> yeah. Don't tell, don't tell too many people, but you'll be backing them in the Melbourne Cup for sure. Mm. Now you did tell me to mention. This and then I completely forgot again. I, wrote, I was mucking around with some stats before. This is one of the reasons why Animo's rating is, and it's, it's an interesting little quirk. Quirk? Quirk's not the right word. I don't know what it is. But the time of the VAR, like the VARs is run on Cox Plate Day every year. So it's a reasonable like for like comparison. Now, when we do time figures, it's a bit more in depth, a bit more complicated than this, but it is a nice, simple way of looking at what's exactly going on here. And that is that Animo is quicker than the VARs. It's on the official times. As you would expect. By about a fifth of a second, just short of. That's nine times closer. The times are nine times closer together than the average of the 20 years beforehand. Wow. And, yeah. And only four times in the 20 years beforehand has the VARs been closer or faster than the Cox Plate. So, and when that's been the case, four times, yep. there's rekindled interest and line tamer were quicker than so you think second. Ubi was quicker than Maldivian. Efficient was quicker than Fields of Omar. Now they were all potentially... Well, hang on, no. It's completely wrong. I was about to say they're all better horses than the Cox Plate winner. That's absolutely not true of our rekindled interest in Lion Tamer. And then there was Kempinski and Elvis. Elstrom yep. were faster than, than Fields of Omar. Now, for three of those, rekindled interest, Hubie and Efficient... Hold on. Do you mean faster? They ran faster overall time? Faster overall time, yeah. Oh, relative to... Actually, did all four of those run faster overall time? Yeah, they did. Okay. They did. So I just wanted to clarify that. And Animo is was actually faster than them, but he's the closest of the rest, yep. if that makes sense. Yeah. So when that's been the case, the last 600, so you think's best part of two seconds quicker, last 600, <laughs> when he was slower overall. Maldivian's 2.3 seconds quicker than Hubie last 600. So it's all pace. Yeah. Fields of Omar was even a second quicker than Efficient, who was a better horse than him. I th- well, there'd be a few people jumping down the, jumping through the speakers, but yeah, well, I'm going to stand by that. And the only one that really differs is that Kempinski and Elvis Elvstrom were um, faster home as well by the best part of three seconds than Fields of Omar and a Cox Plate that just fell apart at the seams. That's when Lonro was – he wasn't much of a Cox Plate and Lonro was expected to roll around and get his moment in the sun and they absolutely blew up. They went way too fast and collapsed in a heap and they staggered across the line and poor old Lonro who was probably – he probably stayed 1,950 metres, Lonro. He would have uh, much preferred to win it with a turn of foot. They put it down to the valley. I put it down to the pace. And so there's, I mean, that's the point of all this as well, is that Berkeley Square was faster home than Animo. Yeah, wow. And I look at this profile and all I see is virtuous circle running oh. through the line in a vase that 
stacks up historically really well against a Cox Plate that we're saying is not bad. Yeah, it's good Cox Plate. And he goes to the paddock. Oh. I think I would be marking him inside two to one in the derby. Yeah. <laughs> wow, bird in the hand, isn't it? Good trainer. I must say, the numbers will tell you Liam Howley is a good trainer. But that is an interesting decision. Interesting code for bad. Well, it feels like, you, as I said, bird in the hand. It's a week out. It's a really, I mean. Just go one more. What's the big difference? I mean, he knows the horse. It's his horse. He's, as I said, the numbers say he can train and he's, I mean, he's worked with some of the best yeah, he knows. people in the world. So I'm not saying he doesn't know what he's doing, but if you're putting him away now because you think it might give you a, if we put him away now, you know, we might have a better chance. You know, we might even get into a $2 million race one day. <laughs> There's one next week and you are cranked for it. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> yeah, I find that a uh, an interesting. So it's a derby picture, pretty much Berkeley Square. If he stays, he wins. N- no, it was a very good Saturday for the derby because I think the derby was. I hadn't probably given it much thought, but the derby was looking light on, and the spring champion was pushed back, and it was like, oh, geez, is the derby the derby's already undergone a bit of a change in recent years? Yep. I would say it's taking less winning and less established horses are, are going through. The Corville Guineas is probably having something similar as well. We're, we're racing our horses less than we used to. And so all of a sudden the Derby has gone from a destination to a launching pad of sorts. And it's still, I mean, last year had a great winner, right? Hitotsu. And it was, a I would say, a good Derby last year. Allegron. Yeah. You know, it's a good Derby. I don't think this year's looked like it was going to be in that ballpark, but... In a quick little 40-minute span there on Saturday, things things did change a little bit. So um, Berkeley Square is good enough to run a place in an average derby now and, and Sharp and Smart good enough to win an average derby now. So Sharp and Smart actually did rate a little bit ahead of Berkeley Square, but I liked the way the Vars all shaped up. Really, It becomes a really interesting clash. But yeah, Virtuous Circle did have a... Um, you'll turn the tables and... Uh, my goodness, you're the derby horse vibe. And as I said, he looks there, you know, you look through and you look at the even the shape of the race and you're like, this is very uh, Lion Tamer, efficient Elvis running second here. This is very that. Lower level, I must say, because as I said, the the face of these things have, have changed a little bit more launching pad than destination. But, wow, the Derby winner goes and stays home. Hopefully better for it. I hope so. Let's hope he uh, comes back and delivers. We hope so. The interesting thing, looking towards, you mentioned Derby Day. So Giga Kick was not going to run in the Coolmore and going head-to-head with Nature Trip on the last day, but then has been nominated this morning. So those with a Giga Kick Futures ticket, are they still in the game? Haven't seen any reports from the stable if it was just, I mean, why would you nom if you're not going to run? Maybe they were stuck around at the Valley until race 11 on Saturday night, Saturday evening, and saw Bella Nipotina put her hand yeah. right up in the race where Paul Lely threw his hand right up to be our flop of the week. He was plain Jane. He was awful, 21 pounds off his best. But this is a – they went very fast here and absolutely collapsed. So it becomes a very tricky race. The margins are accentuated by the pace. And second and third deserve to be considered a lot better than the bare margins to the winner. Well, Bessabodo stuck on really well, didn't he? Mm. So when you're handicapping this, you need to acknowledge that and the uncertainty around it as well. It's a it's a hard race because Bella Nipotina, it's a big departure from... Even though she had good form, she'd run 116 the start before, it's still 
a big departure from what she's done in the past and you need... She's not lightly raced either. No, I mean, yeah, she doesn't have the profile. Like, El El Bodegon improved, what, six pounds? I mean, that's not actually a lot, really, for a horse like him. But she's, um, I'm saying she's improved seven pounds and people will say she's improved a heck of a lot more than that. In terms of Manicato winners, I've got, I think it's Sepoy, Haylish, Chautauqua are the big three in modern times and and then Seaside and and I've, I've rated her right. And I think the best fit, all things considered, is to rate her right along Sea Siren. Does that seem reasonable? That felt reasonable. When I mean, the margin is um, not typical. So no. this is a this is a real conundrum race for Handicap. The Cox Plate is straightforward. There's very little margin, error margin around rating the Cox Plate. There's a lot around the Manicato because it's going to be a big departure from what pre-race expectations for any credible, I would say, rating set. Well, the hard thing is, is a lot of horses were trained to the minute and then had to run 12 <laughs> hours later. That is actually, I was, I'd wonder whether that is interesting. I don't know, but is it, you know, you, you go to the races, they get a little bit amped up, they're on the they're on the good feed, they're up and about, it's night time and then all of a sudden it's like, ah, oh, just, just go home and get a good night's sleep and come back tomorrow evening, will you? Mm. Is it that straightforward? I don't know. Anyway, my recommendation to Kieran Maher and David Eustace is to take Bella Nipotina to Flemington Friday night before the Dali Classic, and get her revved. Yeah, <laughs> clearly worked. Get out there with a thunder-making machine, make a bit of noise, frighten the life out of her, and then take her back on the Saturday because that recipe seemed to work pretty well for her. So rating horses and punting on horses is very different. So the objective with Bella Nipotina is to get the most accurate rating you feel fits. don't know about you. I don't like the words you feel in there, by the way, but keep going. <laughs> what do you want me to say? You do. That fit based on a set of principled methods. Yeah. <laughs> but here's the thing. From a punting perspective, are you willing to bet that she can do it again? If you aren't, you're not rating correctly. So you think she will? Absolutely. That would be the most likely number for her to run. If your ratings aren't predictive in any way, they're useless and you shouldn't be doing it and you shouldn't be managing your own money. You should be locked away for your own safety. But you said there is a big error. There's a lot of uncertainty around yeah. that rating, but it's... That's what I'm asking you. Do you think she will run it you again? Pick the, you pick the number. Well, pick again sounds wrong. The you num- choose. The number is the number that is most likely. Yeah. It's just that there's a lot of options that are similarly likely this time. I mean, to be honest, the 123 for Bella Nipotina would be on the low side of what's likely. So where do you think it could be? Like a horse, I suppose, think of it in a, in a general sense. A horse turns up and wins... What would you would you what would you expect Nature Strip to win the Manicato by four point eight lengths? Yeah, I mean that's the thing, right? Mm. So she's wearing different colours, and they didn't tell you who she was. That's a big rating. Now, what she's done before is, of course, relevant. Yeah, I'm not saying the time is good, but they did go too fast. So that's yeah. the other thing you've got to consider that these margins are. It's not margins. One length in one race isn't one length in another. If the market is going to be really twitchy with her at her next start and lean more higher than 123, I'm obviously well and truly against. But where would you sit? I mean, I think she'll, she'll run 123. And I think that will lose to Nature Strip, who's several pounds better than that. <laughs> I mean, the beauty of it is we might get a price Nature Strip now. Oh, that's what you are. This is your... I want an angle to bet, yeah. yeah. I don't well, wanna, I mean, I'm not backing Bella to do that again. So no Bella, there's no way, I don't think... There's no way... Oh, is there any way... Realistically, I think Bella Nipotina will have a well, – I absolutely have it this way and I think she has a stronger last start rating than Nature Strip into the Dali Classic. So I yep. suppose that is something. Mm. But he has 
one hell of a body of work. Yeah. To his name. And he has turned up in the classic before. And Well, I hope Giga Kick does go there because it's a very intriguing race now. The straight sets up so usually because they, you know, you'll have Wayne Hawks hanging over the fence telling people that you can't lead it. No, it's hard to lead down the straight and you need a seven furlong horse to win down the straight at Flemington despite all the evidence suggesting that's not not just like maybe not right. That's almost the exact opposite of what is true. Mm. Yeah. Um, and so they all sort of take a bit of a sit yeah. down the straight because, you know. You got to build, mate. Oh, you got to to face the breeze down the straight like most of the winners do. <laughs> no one actually bothers to check who wins these races. They just run around with, you know, spouting conventional wisdoms and if you say them, you know, you know, if you say them aggressively enough, people say you're talking, telling it straight. He knows. He's telling it straight. Finally, someone who'll tell it straight. I mean, sure, what he's saying is complete garbage. But <laughs> uh, anyway, that's the straight does typically anyway set up beautifully for Nature Strip, whereas ripping around Ramwick for thirty eight trillion dollars tends to uh, ignite a few people and get them flying in that first half and that is clearly what he doesn't you know he wants to find his groove yeah. he finds his groove everyone's well it's game over yeah. are we going around the grounds we've got to do our jockey awards oh my goodness the jockey awards well we can quickly rattle through the pendrith but it's a big pendrith it's a big pendrith uh, it comes up in the cox plate and it's the runner-up i'm thunderstruck oh god uh, there's a way you could um as I said before, I, th- I, th- I don't want to fall. <laughs> After bagging this line of thought, there is also a line of thought with some merit that I'm Thunderstruck's an unlucky loser here. He finishes full of running. Yeah. And they overplayed the barrier. Is that – are we happy to say that? I mean, what, he's gone back to last. I I guess you just don't do it, but he should have just sat three deep midfield. Being wide just isn't it? – it's just nowhere near as big a disadvantage as being last. I reckon they'll come away from Saturday – Pretty happy with how everything played out anyway. He's ran second, he's ran enormous. Oh, I mean, they're, they're thrilled with that horse. Yeah. Because he's a superstar. He's been, he's had a fantastic spring. He's had such a good spring, you sort of, I hate when people say he deserved that because it always implies that some of them don't. Yeah. But he, he's had a good enough spring that if he won one of those big ones on the last day of run, I'd tip that, wouldn't they? Yeah, big yeah, time. I, I hope he goes back to the mile. Yeah. I think, I mean, I don't think it makes a difference to him. I think he's equally effective over a mile. Well, the ratings will tell me. He's the same horse at 2,000 as he is at a mile. So he's equally effective at both of those trips. And that's damn effective. But he wasn't ridden to full effect, potentially, potentially. Only be very slight, but potentially. He wasn't really seen to full effect in the Cox Plate. I don't think. No. Also hints that he could be better than rated. So he's 124. He could be a bit better than that. And also sees Mark Zara rocket to the top. Of the Penrith Award tally. <laughs> Williams, Bowman, Zara, all on three. I think we gave him his two in back-to-back weeks as well back in the day. We'll we had him right in the guns. <laughs> and you could tell he cared too. <laughs> he's, the, he's the sort of guy that gets really rattled by this sort of stuff. <laughs> Colin Morikawa, we're leaving the valley. We are. We've had enough of the valley. The east is almost done. The east is finished. We're going west. Tell us about the Colin Morikawa winner. Sunday. So we call Patrick Carberry Car Battery and Adam calls him Sunday, Sunday Carberry. And we're not sure if anyone else uses said nicknames, but Patrick Carberry couldn't have got it any better on Amelia's Jewel. Got her into the perfect spot. The race shape can't ride Ascot 1200 any better. 
than what she did there. So whether that is a little bit of a knock going I was forward. Say, what are we what are we saying then about the boom horse Amelia's jewel given that's the case? It's funny, I think most of the time in Perth the guns generally get beat first up. As in they just want to go to the races and, you know, they should just win. And then all of a sudden they screw them down second, third up. This was just a pipe opener for her. So on ratings wise, she's almost run up to a Karakata plate rating, which I think is massive. Heading towards the northerly, she's kicked off over 1,200. So good late speed. She was in the right spot. Decent race. I think the form will work out of it. But, yeah, perfect starting point for her. Nice. Well, that can roll us on to around the grounds because um, she will be. Get ready. It's time for around the grounds. The Perth nominee for around the grounds, which I'm going to change this week and going forward. I'm getting rid of the Bay of Speed figure thing because it's kind of pointless. Yep. Because I realise there's... People actually listen to this now. <laughs> Do they? So self-indulgent rubbish like me just coming up with who the fast. I mean, the fastest time's not going to make you, you know, they're not really horses to follow or anything, are they? Well, they'll find you horses that'll they start can. short. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Probably, as a general rule, probably find your horses that'll start short and turn you a loss. Yeah. So it was a really bad segment when you think about it, and I don't know how we persisted with it for as long as we did. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm changing the around the grounds to top twats. Ah, there. I like it. Yeah. So these are the... Uh, Time form ratings with a twist. Your twist. My own personal twist. A twist of which I'm not at liberty to divulge the uh, workings of. And we should say you'll only get the twat ratings on this podcast. Only. If you I want them. They're top secret. I do them every Monday and then I, the, it's, um, it's like the Brownlow Medal. Armour Guard comes and take them and put them in the vault. No one <laughs> is to see them. But I will let some slide here <coughs> each week around the grounds. Top twats. Yep. And so, yes, Amelia's Jewel is the top twat. Did you get a chance to look at Brave Halo, the winner of the first? Because um, I do want to mention him if you won't. I think slightly – so one of the oh – jeez, I'm not at liberty to, do it, to divulge, but I will divulge. One of the disputes is with the wait for age table. Yep. Timeform actually do a very good job of rating racehorses, but I, I am arrogant and think I could do slightly better. So I've changed a couple of little things. They're only minor. And the way Timeform actually places their ratings into the wider distribution, especially in Australia where I do that <laughs> and you do that, absolutely no dispute with that. No. It's just some formulaic tweaking. And so one of those things is that, yes, I would rate it a little bit lower, Brave Halo. Yeah. But good, right? He is very good. Honourable mention. Honourable mention, son of Brave Smash. I don't know how many he's got on the ground, but I'll tell you what, he's got a rocket in Perth. One fast one. Mm. To run 100 Timeform rating. Pre-Christmas in WA doesn't happen very often. This seems a continuation of a theme that was a pro two-year-old's pre-Christmas so far theme. Mm. I think the the ones we've seen in, not all, but the ones we've seen in Melbourne and Sydney, Snowden sources, the yep. the Breeders' Plate winner was very good. The winner at Flemington was very good. Or am I thinking of Caulfield? Which is the one that Snowden won? Oh, at Caulfield. Caulfield, was it Caulfield? Yeah, the, the Guri. Yeah, yeah, that was... Blake Shin still hasn't moved. Mm. And... While we're rolling around the grounds, the top twat at Doomman in the mud on Saturday was Miss Cooter. Miss Cooter. Two-year-old again, 105-105. So she's been out to the races twice and run 105 twice. Pre-Christmas. Pre-Christmas. My suspicion is that she is very pre-Christmas and that maybe you know she's as good now as she'll ever be. So I guess the difference with Miss Cooter to Brave, Brave Halo's done it twice at 1,000 metres and you know my thoughts on 1,000 metre form. She's done it now, heavy testing track on the weekend, 1,100 metres. That's got to be a, a big tick for her. Yeah, it's not a bad thing, is it? So there is, you know, potentially more meat on the bones. Anyway, she's a, we're talking about Bella Nipotina being 
one of many values that it could be with only a certain degree of certainty or uncertainty, it's hard to really peg down exactly what Miss Cooter is doing and especially as the track was heavy and you would assume slowing mm. as the day went on at Doombin. certainly looked that way when I was playing with the times, although they didn't fall apart at the seams. But anyway, she's won two starts by the best part of 13 lengths. Not bad. So I know one thing and that is that she can run a bit. Yep. Uh, Sydney, sharp and smart as your top twat. 112, a pound better than promise of success, winning the invitation. Mm, didn't see that coming. The invitation result? <laughs> no. Is 111, I don't know off the top of my head, does that make her a vintage invitational winner? I'd say Ice Bath would have rated a little better the year before. Mm, she would have She would have run several pounds better. But she lands the honour roll, which, fantastic. What did you make of the uh, calendar Presnell winner? Oh, that's actually a very interesting point. Mm. We weren't going. He wasn't. Uh, he didn't score yep. on this, so he was about to get brushed over. But he doesn't deserve to be brushed over because I think he's a really cool horse, and you're a little bit down. Yeah, I don't think he's much good. <laughs> that's savage. No, I think that is objectively wrong. <laughs> I think my view is his record is a lot better than his ratings. He's achieved a lot. He's been in one real race this prep, and he ran fourth. And that's where he's a fourth place getter in a golden race. I think that's where he sits. Do you think much of Sharp and Smart? I think he's a nice horse. Well, why don't you think Golden Mile's a nice horse? They beat the same one. Golden Mile's going to go on to different races (laughs) as opposed to Sharp and Smart, I think. I think Golden Mile is doing, as you said, he's stacked his CV up a little bit. Mm. But he's doing a lot right early on. And what I really like is that there'd be some niggle about him staying a mile, but he's now had two goes at it. Practice makes perfect. He's a strong miler in the autumn. Good Doncaster horse. That's what James will be hoping, for sure. Mm. How funny now that the Caulfield Guineas is a lead-up to the Stan Fox. (laughs) Programming, eh? Programming. We roll on to, where have we not touched on? Adelaide and another heat of the time on a GTRA series. How good. And I am Bene, won that running to 102. Good win too. Yeah, she's a nice horse. And a pretty smart little training performance there to bounce her back from coming up short in the Let's Elope. Freshened up, back in business. So she's back to 102, which is what she ran two back. And I'll tell you what, Adelaide is a um, fertile hunting ground this time of year looking to Cup Week. They've always got two or three nice winners. Mm. And I am Bene would probably... I It'll be back over, sure. Oh, she's got uh, undercard Oaks Day or something written all over I am yeah. And yeah, 102 here is probably competitive in a little listed... Mm. Mm. So I am Bene. Keep an eye out on her. Adelaide's top twat <laughs> for this week. We'll just cut that and use that. That'd be great. Adelaide's top twat could mean a lot of things. <laughs> I, would this th- is I would think Kane Corns has that sewn up, but that's <laughs> just me. <laughs> now, this is exciting, more ways than one. You actually gave me a look over the computer screen last Friday saying, I've got the Bruce. Oh, yeah, I've been negligent in my Bruce's. But you've got one. That is just so exciting. Yeah, and we'll probably, I'll return to being negligent. You can just throw up. Perth Maiden winners for the next month or so. Well, after this, it is. I was, I had three or four in Perth on the weekend. So, well, over to you. That is exciting. Oh, I am very excited. Bruce, Bruce be falling out of his chair over that one. But this is, uh, and I know that I promised after the Coonji had been run and won that I'd you know, relax, tap the brakes, let the spring carnival breathe, and I wouldn't turn to next year's Coonji too soon. But I've always got an eye out for one, and I found next year's Coonji winner already. Already. Oh, this is huge. And it won at Pontefract. <laughs> <coughs> Got to stop making me laugh. <laughs> Sorry. 
It had won at Newcastle. It's now won twice at Pontefract. I'm not actually – I will look this up. I'm not actually sure about the Pontefract de Kunji record or whether it's even been tried. Surely it's been tried. Have to. I'm not sure, but that's homework for me there. But a horse called Poker Face for Simon and Ed Crisford, sharp, sharp yard. Yep. Three for three, won really nicely the other day, and the time figure, that was when I looked over the desk at you, was when I calculated the time figure. We've cleared 110. Ooh. So we're, all, we're in three starts into Poker Face's career, and he's gelded as well, so he's a for sale job. Poker Face, two words? Lady Gaga style, traditional spelling. Yeah. I'm not sure whether she is in the ownership or not. Um, yeah, but cleared 110. Fastnet Rock out of a mare who is a, ha- a Galileo sister to Blue Bunting, yeah, who's right. 1,000 guineas and Oaks winner. So there's a gelded, but there's a pedigree there. This is coming to a, a sale for a, I mean, Bray. Bray, all over it, surely. Mm. I might message him later. <laughs> Got one. <laughs> Got one. Set for, I'll just send him just a quick text. Set for Coonji, poker face, bye. But yeah, I'd be staggered if he's not here next year and set for that race because looks made for it. He'll stay a little bit further too, so he could be the type that um, he could be the horse we're looking forward to do the Coonji Caulfield Cup double. Absolute profile for it. Where is the Coonji winner? Are we going to see him in Cup Week? I would assume so, yeah. Champion stakes? It's on the table, surely. I don't think there's actually, unless he ran in the Cup Day plate, you know, that 1800 metre run, but he's too good for that. I think they're actually, that's why Thunderstruck's going back to the mile to get out of his way. Get out of the. Very smart. They're shrewd, shrewd yard. No, I can see that absolutely happening. I'm joking. Gunstock get absolutely destroyed there, but he's a very nice horse. Could he go to Perth? Could he be on the path to the pinnacles? Well, I did see that. So Amelia's Jewel wins on the weekend is now into 5-2 to two to win the Northerly, which is insane. <laughs> Foreman Northerly Q, punters. Cascadian is breathing fire, and there is talk he goes over. That would be unreal if he was to go there. Well, they'll go. I mean, Godolphin are into it. Yeah, they love it. They, they love send, it. and why wouldn't they? They send a seam over. Fantastic. He loves it over there. Oh well, the stage is set. Let's just get get over this little week at Flemington, and then we can really uh, ramp up to the pinnacles. Well, you got Cascadian Polelli could go now. I'm assuming oh, they'll want to give him more time off. I mean, Polelli was disappointing on the weekend, but the way he won the Scalacci, I as soon as I saw that, I thought, gee, that's a quacker horse. <laughs> <laughs> Surely a must for the quacker, but. Certainly looking forward to the build-up towards the Pinnacles after Derby Day wraps up. 